Sometimes movies get called out for their movie titles being odd or not related to the movie at all. And other times, it's the complete opposite of that. And the title may as well have been the pitch line, tagline, and synopsis all at the same time. The question, however, is was it good? Find out as we attempt to prove to you that eight heads in a duffel bag is not that bad. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to It's Not That Bad, the podcast that looks for A grades in B movies. And this is one of those situations where we kind of pick the movie t- the, the movie based on the title alone. Uh, although that being said, we have to put a disclaimer out there. This is one of those situations where we pulled a name out of a bag, we pulled Joe Pesci, and this is what we got. And here to go down Joe Pesci Road with me is my lovely wife, Carrie. Carrie, how are you doing today? I am doing awesome. So, Far better than the eight headless gentlemen. <laughs> but we'll we'll get there. Uh, that kind of feels like it should be part of like the, the 12 days of Christmas. Oh, wait a minute. Actually. Eight decapitated heads. <laughs> math, mathematically speaking, mm-hmm. it was actually 12. 12 heads, but not all of them were in the duffel bag. So (laughs) technically speaking, there were only a maximum of eight heads in the duffel bag at the time, although there were many more heads involved in the... We got a lot to talk about in this one here. 12 heads, two pay phones, (laughs) three... um, And a partridge in a pear tree. (laughs) What what would you call those? Um, Like class school photos? Although there were there was a lot of class photos that were destroyed, yeah, there's so much to talk about with this one, and it's kind of one of those movies where it's like you kind of know what you're getting into with the title. It's kind of like the you know snakes on a plane before snakes on a plane with snakes on a plane because there were snakes and they were on a plane with Samuel Jackson. which I love the story. Apparently, that they they thought about changing the title, and Samuel Jackson's like, "You ain't changing that." title if you want me in the movie i don't know joe pesci went down that road with eight heads in a duffel bag but here we are uh but before we go down this road it is time to take this joe pesci comedy and trailerize it imagine what would happen if the showrunners of dr g medical examiner airport security meet the parents and the sopranos got together and created a franken film made up of unused episode plots don't get ahead of yourself because eight heads in a duffel bag may be that monster watch as joe pesci stars as tommy spinelli a good fella with an accent that could tell a good bronx tale in a casino he's the mob's version of fedex in that he constantly loses the package, has horrible customer service, and does not guarantee on-time delivery. Don't try to wrap your head around the plot too much, as you might lose yourself in the process. It's eight heads in a duffel bag. Rated R for Return to Center. I, oh, I, I, no. I feel like I should apologize to FedEx, but I'm not going to. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I went there. I went there. Right now, there's someone sitting there waiting for a FedEx package going, I feel that pain. 
I do. Uh, but let's get into what this movie is. This movie stars Joe Pesci, Christy Swanson, Andy Como. Now, I'm not going to lie. I had zero idea who Andy Como was. Never didn't recognize him or anything so i had to take a look at his filmography he was also in one hour photo uh and he was in huff and that that's okay one hour photo good movie i like that one but here's where it really hit home he played forrest gump in the weird al yankovic music video for gump (gasps) yeah wow and now you're trying to picture him That's and you're awesome. like, yeah, it kind of makes sense. He's Gump. He's Gump. He's Gump. <laughs> it's in his head. <laughs> He's in eight heads. Yeah, it also stars George Hamilton, Diane Cannon, David Spade, and Todd Luizzo. However, there is an almost starring in this one here. In the role of Ernie, as played by David Spade, it almost starred... Will Smith. Hmm. <laughs> the look on your face, just like, yeah, no, no. And can't see it. Yeah. I, I just can't see it. Here's the thing. He t- apparently, according to IMDb, he apparently turned down $10 million from, you know, that the studio was offering for this movie. And yeah. Now, I keep, would say it was a wise choice. I'm starting to think, yes, absolutely. Now, keep in mind that this film came out in 1997. Okay, uh, in '96 he was in Independence Day, and in 1997 he was in Men in Black. So uh, he had some good movies going on at the time, and probably did not need eight heads in a duffel bag. But that means they went from Will Smith to David Spade in that role. I'm not quite sure if it's a downgrade or upgrade at this point. <laughs> the, the look on your hmm. face. Yeah, you know what? Um, funny enough, I actually enjoyed his friend his friend's performance oh todd Luizzo, yeah 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 (laughs) um i found david spade we'll get there but he was very non-david spade in this role to a point but yeah we will definitely get there uh this film was the directorial debut of tom shulman who would not direct another film until 2022 when he directed Double Down South. But he also wrote Dead Poet Society. So, like, he's got good writing credits, but up until last year, this was his only director credit. Like, it was this and then nothing. Yeah. Hmm. Right? Um, however, it didn't do too well, because at the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards, it won for Most Painfully Unfunny Comedy. Yeah, Uh, just to give you an idea of just how bad it was, he beat out, or they beat out that year, Father's Day, Gone Fishing, which also starred Joe Pesci, Mr. Magoo, and Rocket Man. That's, That's not a good list of movies. And that clearly showed at the box office, because when this film debuted on the April 18th, 1997 weekend, it debuted at number Nine with a measly two million dollars. That's it. The highest grossing debut that weekend was Murder at 1600. It debuted at number three. The number one film was Anaconda. 
in its second week uh, with Liar Liar in number two. But yeah, it debuted at number nine. Now, the film only had a budget of $3 million and had a worldwide gross of $3.6 million. So I guess it made its money back, but the critics didn't like it. This film over at Metacritic has a meta score of 15 and over on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an audience score of 35 and a tomatometer of 10. So before we get into the breakdown of this film, I have to ask you, is 10 too high or too low for this film? Mm, I'm supposed to find the good in the film. (laughs) Uh, I would dare say it was on point. I, you know, is 10 fair? I Maybe, maybe 15. Maybe. I wouldn't go much higher. Which is kind of funny because like, I, I know the movies you like and you find funny. And I, you know, and I know, I remember like going to the blockbuster with you and all that and seeing, I remember seeing Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag on the shelf. And we're like, are we going to go down that road? And we usually found something else to go down with the, you know, seven movies in seven days. But it was always one of those things where you see the title and you're like, well, that could be fun. Mm-hmm. Eight heads in a duffel bag. Pretty sure I know what it's about, but. It definitely, you know, leaves not much up to the imagination. Um, and, and I think maybe that's part of it. Maybe if it were a little. A little more esoteric. Unassuming. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I get it. I get it, but I mean, it is a quirky title. Like, I, I'm not going to lie. The title alone has caught my eye on a couple of occasions, like Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. If you say, hey, let, let, let's go have some fun. Let's go watch Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. And usually the look you get when you say that, it's like, huh? <laughs> Which is usually kind of why I want to pick it, right? <laughs> like my, my best friend Morgan, who has appeared on the show before, um... You know, he was on the Hudson Hawk episode and I remember he and I would go to the video store. We would, we would rent movies based on titles alone. There's a movie out there that I'm waiting for Morgan to come onto the show or come back to the show. Stuff Stephanie in the incinerator. I distinctly remember that film being one of the ones that we rented based on the title alone. We need to go down that road. Morgan, come back. We need to go down stuff. Stephanie in the incinerator road. I'm sorry. It has to happen. But yeah, this this kind of falls under those quirky movie titles that's going to catch your eye. And yes, if you think you can you know, judge a book by its cover, this is definitely that, that case of can you judge a movie by its title? Uh, but let's get into the breakdown of this film. And we have to start with Joe Pesci. Your thoughts on him. You know what? I always, always laugh. At Joe Pesci, he pulls off the... At at or with? No. (laughs) (laughs) He definitely pulls off the, I don't know, like the the gangster in need of anger management therapy. (laughs) So well. Like, so incredibly well. Like, I, I just, I find him so funny. And even in this one, I he was funny... But it wasn't on the same level. I think that I might have put him on on, on a pedestal, maybe. And I was kind of expecting that. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. But you know what? I I just, I, I liked him in the movie. 
I I guess I just wanted more. I wanted more crazy and he just seemed a little bit diluted or um I don't know. Like I really I I I liked I liked the turnaround and the connection between the two main characters. But I'm sure more on that later. I I I have to put this out there because the at at least early on in the film, you have almost concurrently running storylines in that, you know, okay, first of all, spoilers. So if you were waiting for a rainy day to watch eight heads in a duffel bag, um, go outside. The rain is better. But honestly, we're, we are going to spoil this movie for you. So if you, if you really want to go watch eight heads in a duffel bag, go watch it, then come back and listen to us. But if you're sitting there going, I really don't want to watch this movie, but I want to hear what you guys thought. Well, then, okay, here we go. Um, This film has like basically two parallel storylines, at least for the first half, right? So what happens is Pesci's got these eight heads in a duffel bag that he has to bring to this mob boss to prove that, you know, this guy in this other town killed these guys, right? It's a mafia story. Why he didn't just drive, I have zero idea. But... At the airport, the bags get switched up because, of course, he's got the exact same bag as the guy he's sitting beside. So then, like, the eight heads are with this one guy who's meeting his his, his girlfriend's parents. Meanwhile, he's realizing that he's lost the heads. He's got to find them. Do you feel like it spent too much time on the, the, the Charlie side of things and not enough time on the Joe Pesci side of things? Um... Yeah, I I don't know because I think there was a lot to unpack with like the boyfriend who's kind of like, first of all, I did not buy that they were a couple at all. The girlfriend did not seem into him whatsoever. And not only that, but I mean, she was disappointed outwardly that, that he was even there, that he kind of <laughs> invited himself along well, this, okay, it was a misunderstanding on, on Charlie's part. Like, like, okay, so the whole thing is that he was supposed to go out to the West Coast to go spend time with his girlfriend, and then the parents kind of intervened and hijacked it and said, okay, well, we're going to bring you, you know, the, the, the daughter, Lori, on vacation with the family. And so she's like, well, well no, no, we're, we're, we're going to Mexico instead. Charlie thought he was invited. So, of course, he hops in a plane. He's ready to go to Mexico to meet the parents. And Lori's like, yeah, no, you really did not read that, read the room correctly. Um, And, yeah, like, Charlie trying, you know, the idea of Charlie with Christy Swanson, I just don't know. It, 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 yeah, it did not work at all. (laughs) Um, Like, she just did not seem into him. Like she, like she actually seemed to hate him. I'm like, are they even a couple or like, did they recently break up? And, or maybe, maybe she was going to break up with him on the trip that, you know? Oh, (gasps) maybe like, like this, this this might've been the turkey dump. You know, you, you come home for the holidays for Thanksgiving and then all of a sudden, boom, you get dumped. That's the turkey dump. I wonder if this was supposed to be a t- <laughs> It has a you, name? You've never heard this? Oh, my God. You've never heard of the turkey dump? <laughs> Clearly, no. Like, like someone's away from college and they, they come back at Thanksgiving and it's like the, yeah, we need to talk. 
wait, we were dating in college. Yeah, but... I clearly never got the turkey dump. You, I, I don't think so. I'm still here. I, I came back and put a ring on that ish. <laughs> <laughs> you got the turkey upgrade. <laughs> also, the turkey ring would be a phenomenal movie title. Ooh. Right? Make it so. Make it so. It'd be better than he heads in the duffel bag. But the thing with Pesci, the game back to him right now, is that this this role feels literally tailor-made for him, right? Right down to the fact that it's cribbing lines from Goodfellas near the end, and it's like, it's a fun little gag, right? And the thing is, Pesci, we know Pesci can be funny. He is. He's really good. He's good at doing a mafia role. He's good at being funny, right? Lethal Weapon 3, Home Alone? Like, come on. Okay, can I just point out, though, that um, when he was torturing the two med students, um, like, it, it it was very much akin to, like, Home Alone, as opposed to I did not take him seriously at all as a hardened gangster that cut eight gentlemen's heads off of their bodies yeah, but the thing is, because he, 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 w- he wasn't the one that cut them though he's literally the delivery guy uh, that's all his job is take this bag bring it to the mafia guy that's it he's fedex okay so there's the thing he really seemed um a little diluted as far as a bad guy he's uber heads yeah. <laughs> although the you know the torture scenes were fun oh yeah but, but they certainly i i didn't take him seriously as a baddie But, I mean, let's be honest. 1997, Joe Pesci is the biggest star in this film, and it felt like he was spending too much time away from Joe Pesci. Like, Mm. that's not good. It's not. Right? You have someone who is... Like, this is only two years after Casino. Right? This is peak Joe Pesci time, even though the Gone Fishing came out that same year. But it's still peak Joe Pesci time, and majority of your movie is Charlie trying to punch upwards and, you know, prove his worth to Laurie when clearly he is way out of his league. But I think they had a lot to unpack there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the puns are out today. (laughs) Love it. Love it. But let's let's get to Andy Como, who who stars as Charlie in this one. Your thoughts on Charlie? Hmm. Again. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I, I I could have been quite happy just seeing, um, again, like the story of Joe Pe- Pesci trying to like track down his, his bag of heads. Right? Know? Give me more Pesci. <laughs> but I mean, I'm going to quote staged on this one. And if you listen to this show, you know that we stand the crap out of staged. Um, we're, we're still waiting for season three to come over to Canada. So please, David Tennant, send us the, the, the episodes here, but he's a tad ineffectual in the role. Kind of feels that way, right? Um, it feels like he's a discount Andrew McCarthy in this Andrew McCarthy, of course, uh, from weekend at Bernie's and mannequin, um, I am so glad you mentioned (laughs) Weekend at Bernie's because when I was watching that and and even tonight, I'm like, how am I going to, because I love Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. And I'm like, how am I going to draw a parallel? But it really does kind of feel like Weekend at Bernie's. Yeah. It's like sometimes, you know, a role is written for someone. We, We talked about this during America's Sweethearts, right? Billy Crystal wrote the role of Eddie 
for himself initially. So when John Cusack is reading some of the or, or saying some of those lines, you could almost hear a Billy Crystal esque delivery that was that it was intended for. Joe Pesci, yeah, Pesci's character feels like it's written for him. Charlie feels like it was written for like an Andrew McCarthy. Well, all I wanted to point out is that the difference um, in the relationship in like the relationship angle in Weekend at Bernie's is that the girl was actually really into him. Whereas in this, I, I think that it, you know, uh, the girlfriend finding the the heads in the bag would have just been, or even, you know, the mom, the mom was the first to find them. And she was like, sure that he was a, a killer or a murderer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, that would have been a clear cut case of like, okay, you're dumped, you're out of here. Like Turkey dump. <laughs> she didn't even really seem to need a reason to, to, you know, break up with him. He just, I don't know. He seemed, again, a tad... A tad ineffectual. Yes. <laughs> he was just kind of there. I freaking love that show. I do. Sadness. If you have not watched Staged, like, I'm, I'm just telling you this right now. Go watch Staged. Staged is life. Just, just putting it out there. Um, <laughs> Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. But then you got on the other side, you got Christy Swanson, of course, who plays Laurie. And this is fascinating because Christy Swanson is a very, very good actress, right? We're talking the girl who plays Buffy in the movie version of Buffy the Vampire Slayer like and, and in Hot Shots, right? She's got some great comedy chops. And it feels like it, it's almost like a caricature role kind of thing right it's it's a stereotype it's it's not a flushed out character i so love that they drew attention to it where he was like what happened to you you you're now dressing like nancy reagan like clearly yeah like you can you can tell just with that line that there was some kind of turn in her character because yeah i mean from the moment that he showed up i was like are they even 
a couple or yeah. did they recently like did she leave him a voicemail that he was at the tone alone and, and he didn't pick it up or something like, you know what I mean? It just kind of felt like. <laughs> oh, you, and you said Turkey dump was awesome. You're like at the sound of the tone, you're alone. <laughs> Damn just, girl. It, it felt like there was a breakup that he wasn't aware of and he was just completely. And, and that's, that's the weird thing about it, right? Because prior to him landing, I, I it was a San Diego or something like that. Prior to him getting to California, um, all we know of, of, of Lori's character is this picture that he's got in his wallet. At least, and, and I can't believe I'm going to use Polly a Polly Shore movie as a, a, a good comparison here. I, I the, God, I wish this was a video podcast because <laughs> your facial expressions are just like they, they tell they tell a story better than I could ever tell on the microphone. You you are wonderful. Um, but the, the, but that being said, like the movie Son in Law, right? Because we see um, Carla Gugino as she arrives at college. Then we see you know that that first semester at college and how she changes kind of thing and how her, her friendship with Polly Shore changes her. Kind of, and then she comes back and everyone's like, Oh, you've changed. That made sense. We know nothing about Lori prior to the opening credits of this film, which does it, it drops Charlie into the situation where it's like, are you sure you two were together? Like you're bang on, on this one here. I'm going to have to ask for sound bites from this particular episode. <laughs> To have as my ringtone. <laughs> you're just going to literally ha- like make a playlist of sections of the podcast where I say you're right, you're awesome, you're wonderful, you're beautiful, and all that kind of stuff, right? <laughs> do, I, do I need to edit like the super mixtape for you? Because I will, I'll, but... Yeah, I, <laughs> you would think that I was paying him per word or something. Like, Well, see, that's what happens when you do the turkey ring and not the turkey dump, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um... Let's move on, though, to George Hamilton and Diane Cannon, who, of course, played Laurie's parents. Um, very, very different parents. You know, the, the the dad is very, very strict, very, you know, almost like, you know, super CEO business kind of guy. And uh, Diane Cannon is the mom. It's a bit more. Now, hang on there. I, I found the dad was a bit aloof, almost, as opposed to like. Like I'm thinking, like a a, a meet the parents, or um, even arguably, uh, father of the bride, right? He wasn't he wasn't that like scary, you know. Meet the father, like he was he he was trying. He was trying his best. A clearly, he had to take care of the mom who had a. A bit of a, a bit, bit of, of a, a problem. drinking problem, yeah. Bit of a problem with the bottle, maybe yeah. some pills. Um, but I mean, you know, he was trying, right? Like he he was he was trying to be welcoming and accepting of Charlie, and he didn't seem he, at all like kind yeah, of over. He, he, he had a short leash, though. Like I don't think he liked Charlie to begin with, but he had a very he tried, but he didn't do, try very well. And the interesting thing is that you could see. Because they they show it, the relationship between uh, Lori's dad and his own mother and how, like, you know, the dad's mom, like, basically Lori's grandmother. Oh, I loved her. Oh, she was great, right? (laughs) She was perfect. But, I mean... She kind of disapproved, like, basically really looked down on 
on George Hamilton's father. And it's, it's like, and then you can almost see the parallel of how he's almost feeling towards Charlie. I wish they explored that storyline a bit more. Right. Like, you know, he is the way he is because his mother treats him kind of the same way that he treats Charlie. I wish that was explored more. And the thing with with Diane Cannon is the mom, like a very crazy, very fun, very, very out there. You could see a lot of the characters of the role she played in Caddyshack, too. Of course, we've done an episode on Caddyshack, too, on this show already. Um there's a lot of parallels there until, of course, she gets into the booze and the bills, and then she's just crazy and screaming it all over the place. Um, okay, no, it took, you know, being close up with a... A few heads. Random head in, in a bag. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. let's not get ahead of ourselves. That, that threw her over, her, <laughs> definitely, back to the bottle. But, I mean, it, it's interesting, though, because with the parents the way they are, did you buy them as Lori's parents? Oh, I I don't know. I had a hard time believing that this is a family unit. Like I was just <laughs> like, I don't know. They don't seem like a couple and the, the mom and dad are just, I don't know. Like everybody just seemed so completely different and misplaced that I was just like, I don't buy this as a family unit at all. I, I think if they went the son-in-law route and we saw a little bit more of how Lori was at college with Charlie and then how she was with her with her parents, it would make more sense that her mom is a bit more, not down to earth, but a, a little bit, you know, just more chill, just a bit more light and fun. And then the dad, of course, being a little bit more strict, it would make sense. But because we don't know Lori at all, except for here's a picture, but that's just me. But let's get back to the college, though. David Spade has Ernie. and It's funny. You said it was a, a very not David Spade role. Why? Why? Well, OK. Um, in hindsight, it just took him... It took him being tortured. It, it, they literally, Pesci had to like torture the spade out of spade. Like hmm. he he started out like very serious and then you were kind of getting the wisecracks. And even in the, like even after the whole um, scene in the, the, the morgue or yeah, whatever. In the, in, where, in the cryo facility, where yeah. they they found the four backup heads, mm-hmm. <laughs> the stand-ins, if you will. Um, he, it was almost kind of like that was the turning point for his his colleague. The thing is, I I, I see a parallel between his character, especially when he starts helping Pesci, right? Because before, um, it, it's it to me, it's a little bit David Spade. Right. Uh, but it's when he's like, all right, let's cut this head off. And let's cut. that's what it kind of feels more like his Coneheads character where he, he's he's uh, following his boss around. And it's like, you know, I'll just I'll just take care of that. And, you know, very much like prepping him up, but still kind of ass kissing at the same time. Ernie kind of locks steps in with Pesci in this one. And I, I like the parallel. I, I can't believe I'm saying this. This would be a worse movie if Will Smith took that role. Yes. Absolutely. I agree. I agree with that. 
because then it would be a Will Smith movie as opposed to, a, especially, let's be honest, Will Smith, 1997. He is arguably the biggest star at the time. Uh, just ask um, Ben Affleck in Jersey Girl. Yeah, because that would have been of, around that time. I wouldn't have hated, though, having David Spade and Will Smith and uh, see how Will Smith would have played up the character Oh, you, you, you wanted Will Smith as Steve? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I think the problem, too, is that if Will Smith was Ernie, he would have Will Smith all over it. And Ernie would have been too cool. Or swap them. Eh. I just, I, I just don't see Will Smith in that role. I think Will Smith was smart to turn it down. Uh, it, would, it would just be too much. I think David Spade surprisingly was restrained enough to make the character work well in the situation and not overshadow Pesci and not be too goofy. See, yet I was disappointed by that. I wanted to see more. But I I don't know. That that's that's an interesting because I'm sitting there going, I think David Spade was the perfect amount of David Spade in like a very pulled back kind of role. You're like, I oh, know, bring me more spade. Mm-hmm. I, which I don't think anyone's ever said that, but <laughs> I, I, I rest my case. But then you got Todd Luizzo who played Steve. And you you wanted the crazy. Steve brought the crazy. But how was Todd Luizzo for you? Oh, he was he was so great. I think, what was it the last scene where he's running around? The, with the head. The airport with the head. <laughs> oh, my God. He was the like. small little Mexican airport with the head. Clearly, he he definitely had some Stockholm syndrome going because he he was just so so funny. And at first, I was like, "Yeah, I don't know. The, these guys are just like really meh." And then he really came into his own after the uh, the morgue scene. There's there's one thing I wish they had they did, and it would I think it would have helped the transition of Steve a little bit better because. At, at least his his turn to just absolutely losing it was you know gradual enough like there's a whole lot of like you know prolonged trauma for Steve that you could understand why he kind of loses his mind near the end but I just wish they added a little bit more of like you know when he's off camera and sawing off the heads it was just like oh what, what am I doing what am I doing and it would have been a little bit more it would it would have really sold the fact that by the time we see Steve again after they, they, they chop off all these extra heads he has completely lost his mind just because in watching me like that, it reminded me of, and I, I apologize because I cannot remember either the actor's name or the, the, the character name, but in Airplane, there's the one guy in the air traffic controller who's doing all these really, really bad puns. And it's like, you know, and so-and-so is shaking. And it's like, you annoy me because you're so over the top. And it's counter to what everyone else is doing around him. Steve was almost like that. But it was pulled back enough that it was funny. The whole like riffing off of the Goodfellas line in the car and Pesci's reaction to it, that that's brilliant. <laughs> there are decent moments in this. Um, and by the way, you do not run around an airport with holding a decapitated head and shaking it at people. Uh, you will not last. Um, there's a few smaller roles in here, but were there any that stood out for you? Again, I really enjoyed the the grandma. 
<laughs> and <laughs> can can I spoil the hell out of it? Oh, we, we've already oh warned them. God. So if you're still listening by this point, you have given up on any hope of watching Ants oh, in a Duffel Bag. So here you know, we go. Just just enjoy the scene where they're driving over the cliff. <laughs> and she gets booted straight out the van. They threw Grandma out the car. <laughs> right? They literally threw Mama from the van. Yeah. <laughs> um, Paco was fun for me, the the guy working at the resort. Um, here's, oh, yeah. Here's a guy I wish he did go a little bit more crazy. I wanted him to be a bit more like Manuel from Faulty Towers. Yes. Um, but he wasn't. It was... You just needed something a bit more. And also, for the record, he can hear Christy Swanson in the room screaming, but he can't hear her talking very loudly about there being eight heads in a duffel bag. Like, <laughs> I get you come into the room when you hear a woman screaming. Okay, cool. Fine. No problem. If you were walking by, if honestly, ask yourself this. If you're in a hotel and you walk by a room and you hear someone screaming on the inside, there are eight heads in that duffel bag. Do you not? Knock on the door and say, you, you're going to be okay. <laughs> Do you need me to call someone? Exactly. Um, okay, but the the laundromat scene was <laughs> so funny. Oh, yeah, with that. Okay, so there's like the a, maid, a, the, a, 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 a the blind maid with a decapitated head tumbling around <laughs> in the laundry machine. Just uh, And she's standing guard outside the because she keeps hearing the door open he's trying to get his head back i guess the big question here is did nobody question though hang on i have a question oh i have many questions about this film nobody questioned when they returned the head which was clearly unwrapped they rewrapped it (laughs) nobody questioned it at all they just Gave him the head back. Right? Like... I mean, aside from the fact, and I kind of mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, this whole thing happens when Pesci tries to get on a plane with eight heads in a duffel bag, and it doesn't feel like that long a flight, and the fact that he's able to go back and forth between the college and the, the, the I guess, San Diego, I think it was. Um, drive the car. Do you have a car? Put the duffel bag in the trunk of the car, close the trunk, and then drive to where you're going. You don't need to deal with an airport. Like, I want to know what happened to the second gift for the parents. Yeah, that they never. Yeah, and where where did Lori find this? You know, big macho Tibetan type statue. Like, was that at the gift shop? Because that would be kind of obvious. Like, there are so many questions. No, I think about she this. stole that from the hotel. She stole it. Well, also, if like the, if the, Lori's so pissed at Charlie for coming to Mexico with him or with her, why does she then help him try to bury the heads in the middle of the desert? Like, I the, the, I have questions, and and I get that you know I'm picking on a movie here that's called Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. I want to know why she never said to her mom, "It's okay, mom. I know you're not crazy." Like, like. Like, she could have at least had the decency to validate her mom and, and you know, say, it's okay, mom. Like, it's, it's, it's okay. It's not Charlie's fault, but this is the situation. And yes, you did see heads in the duffel bag. 
And <laughs> no, you can you can lay off of the tequila, mom. Like yeah, seriously, all, all those little hotel bottles, kind of thing. Save yeah. your mom from a possible like <laughs> overdose or mixing alcohol and whatever prescription drugs she was taking. Like help a mama out, you know? Right. Like at least validate that she is not crazy and doesn't need to self-medicate on this one and that everything's <laughs> going to be okay. She never did that. <laughs> how how she do just, you have that conversation on a family vacation? Like, look, mom, like I, <laughs> I know you think you're kind of losing it a little here, but it's okay. My boyfriend does actually have eight decapitated mafia looking heads in a duffel bag. But it's okay because he didn't put them there. Exactly. But they're not his. They're not his. <laughs> I think that would necessitate even more Valium at that point. Like, I mean, but let's get back to the movie before we get like, just point at all of the plot holes here. And we're talking about a movie that was directed by the guy who wrote dead poet society, which is, you know, a cinematic classic here. So I don't know what happened here, but I mean, there were times when we were watching this movie that you were guffawing quite uh, usually when it's the grandma getting kicked out of the van but there were good funny moments in here so what went wrong for this film do you think you know the more i talk about it the more i actually like it however um <laughs> for me it's always i like a good silly fun movie and anything with any sort of like over the top like ridiculous violence like the scene where Pesci is um he has the the two college students just hanging by their feet yeah like like the level of ridiculous torture was funny yeah (laughs) I find that funny and this is why Um, I love her okay (laughs) (laughs) like Pesci, oh my God, the scene where he's on the payphone and the woman is like clearly waiting to use the phone. The other phone that he has just like mangled um, is out of was service. Out, of, out of order. So it's the only payphone left. And then at the end of his call, he just pulls the receiver cord right out of the phone. So now we're down two phones. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I love that kind of like ridiculous... I don't know. So, so angry humor. So <laughs> let me flip it around then. How do you make this film better? Oh, f- fix the plot holes. Like, you know, again, they could have spent way more time on the family dynamic on again, the, like the relationship that they had previous to when she changed because you were right. You were absolutely right. We didn't. Oh, I'm gonna get that and wow. put that as my ringtone. Yeah. But go. But go on. Tell me why I was right. <laughs> um, you know, it it was it was kind of like there were things missing that could have made it better, but there was a lot of good in this movie. I absolutely loved how they orchestrated the um the getting the you know eight heads in a duffel bag through the airport in the final scene. Yeah. I absolutely thought that was hilarious. 
I, I do know, did they ever get dad out of the Mexican jail? Yeah, he he, yeah. he was out, but he, he, yeah. he, he had his head shaved and something shaved into his head kind of thing. So, <laughs> and I mean, this is George yeah. Hamilton we're talking about here. This is, this is like a classic, like top notch actor. And yeah, he's like being sent to a Mexican prison for having a decapitated mafioso head. Um, I'm, again, I'm all for it. Again, the, you know, the daughter never like, Went to her parents' defense and <laughs> never said, you know what? Yeah. It's okay. We know what's going on. We're going to help the, you know, would a reca- guy. Do you think a recast would help this film? Mm, I don't think so. I... Like like a modernized version of it. I, I, like, I, no, I'm not. I'm not saying do a remake with with today's actors, but I'm thinking like I know he was in Weekend at Bernie's, but I think Andrew McCarthy would have been better as Charlie as opposed to Andy Como. And I think you you have to write Laurie's character better because you have a great actress in Christy Swanson. But I mean, can you see anyone else in these roles better? Hmm. It's a good question, but again, you know what? I I think it was fine for what it is. Mm. It really wasn't that bad. No, it's not a 10% film. You know, and we're talking a movie called Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. So it's not like you don't know what you're getting into right off the bat. There are eight heads in that duffel bag. Um, And there are some good funny moments and bits in it, but I just, I don't know. For some reason. And it does feel like one of those movies that I I know it went to the theaters. I know it had a big screen thing, but it feels like a straight to DVD kind of thing. You know, and 97, yes, you could go straight to DVD. Uh, These days it would be like straight to Netflix. In the time it went straight to VHS. Oh, that's right, eh? Yeah. Well, and DVD, but I mean, 97, you know, I mean, we had both. Well, no, we didn't get a DVD player till like 2000s. So, yeah, yeah, straight to VHS. But before we get to our MVPs, Twitter has spoken, and it's Greg over at Movie Date Night. Uh, so he says, gotta love a movie whose title isn't too pretentious or abstract yet, not too simple. Looking at you playing from 2023. This movie does what it says on the box, and though it's a mildly forgettable film... I still enjoy a fun Pesci film. And it is. It's a fun Pesci film. And Joe Pesci is great when he's funny. He's great when he's uh, mafioso. And you get a little bit of both in this. But in the pantheon of Pesci films, I have to ask you this. Where does this rank in the pantheon of Pesci films for you? Mm, And that's the problem. Is that it's fairly low. Like... I mean, I absolutely loved him in Home Alone. Right. Like that, that's pinnacle. Yeah. But I mean, even in um, his, he, Goodfellas? Yeah, he was in Goodfellas. Like even. That, that, I mean, that's where that line, exactly. you, you talking to me? Are you talking to me? Am I, am I funny? Am I a clown? Am I here to amuse you? Exactly. So, I mean, to me, I consider that the two ends of the spectrum for like, a Pesci film. Yeah. Either he's like a really scary as bad guy or he's like the character of a bad guy, but just really funny. Yeah. Um, 
The, it, this was kind of in between. This reminded me of his character from Lethal Weapon 3. And if, if you're having trouble remembering, I, I got a couple words for you here. They f*** you at the drive-thru, okay? They f*** you at the drive-thru. This is that character, right? Here's a guy who works for the mafia, but he's not a, he's not the guy who does the, uh, the the killing and all that. He's, in this in this movie, he's the delivery guy. Then he was like the numbers guy. This is almost that role, just a different job. It's not a top Pesci film, but I don't think it's the worst. I don't, I don't know if I would put this character in my top three, but I don't think I put it in the bottom three. It's a meh. It's right in that middle, right? I could watch it. I could not watch it. It's not going to ruin my day either way. Um, but we've stalled long enough. It's time. So, Carrie, who is your MVP of eight heads in a duffel bag? I'm going to go with mom. Oh, Diane Cannon? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I think she played like... She played it so well. She was so sweet and welcoming of Charlie. Mm-hmm. Um, she definitely, I think, as much as you said that the father had the iron fist, I think she wore the pants in the in the marriage. Um, she definitely had a way of being in control of what they do as a couple. While not being in control of herself. Right, exactly. <laughs> and that, and then she played it so well, like just the... Um, the crazy? Oh, yeah. She definitely played the crazy well. But you know what? I, I think her reaction was quite on point to, I'm sorry, if I, you know, stumble across... And now, first of all, I don't think she had any right in opening charlie's bag mm-hmm. but and what was she trying to hide there was anyway? a gift there was a there gift was a, there somewhere or something gift. yeah it looked like a ring box i'm like i know is like, this that, like that was, that was one of those things that was never gotten back to right they they never addressed the uh the presence in this but i mean i'm sorry after you find eight heads eight decapitated heads all individually wrapped mind you mm-hmm. except this one the 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 bag had come loose and that's how she knew what was in it. Anyway, I digress. I think that in and of itself is justification for going a little bit off the rails. And I think she played it well. And so bravo. She made the movie enjoyable. I will say if you, if you liked her in this, I highly recommend going to watch Caddyshack too. That, that film is a ton of fun and she's great in it. Um, but she's not my MVP. Who is? My MVP, even though I would not put this in the pantheon of his best films, is Joe Pesci. Like, this film felt like it was written to to play upon Pesci's strengths, both as someone who can, you know, realistically feel like they're in the mafia, or at least working with the mafia, and, realist, and, and very easily be funny, right? I just wish there was more Pesci in it and it leaned more on his character. When we got past the whole Charlie meeting the parents thing and Pesci was more involved in the story, that's when the movie got a lot better. So less Charlie, more Pesci, and I'm all for that. Carrie, thank you so much for watching eight heads in a duffel bag can you, can you imagine going to your wife saying honey honey let's have, let's spend a romantic evening and watch eight heads in a duffel bag 
try explaining to our kids, okay, listen, mom and dad have to watch this movie for the show. Um, Maybe don't come into my office for the next two hours. (laughs) Because we're watching eight heads in a duffel bag. Yeah, which, by the way, the look on our children's faces when we said we had we had to watch a movie for the for the podcast, like which movie are you watching? Eight heads in a duffel bag. So that's not for us, is it? No, probably not. <laughs> probably not. Although that being said, there's really nothing aside from aside from the coarse language. Like if you don't mind your kids hearing, you know, some potty words, it's not. It's not a violent film. It's not a disgusting film. It's all played for laughs. And before we sign off, though, there's a scene we have to talk about. And it's eight singing heads on a table. (laughs) There's a scene where Pesci's, you know, know, he's asleep, he's having a dream, and he's got all these heads lined up on the table, and they start singing. Oh, my God. How did I forget about mentioning this um did this scene mr Sandman. did this scene fit for you oh i can't believe i forgot to mention this it wasn't just a fever dream it was real it was so out of left field but you know what even at that at at the moment with the when we were watching it, I was like, what is this? Like, did what I, what is happening? Did, did I drink one of those little bottles of tequila? Like, I forgot about <laughs> it. Um, no, I, it was, it was funny. It was definitely funny. It was, it was misplaced though. Yeah. Like it was at a place, but it was funny. It feels to me. And we talked a little bit about this during fanboys and I know the movie doesn't qualify, but if we ever did Beavis and Butthead do America, um, this would probably be one of those things as well, where you have the scene where someone, you know, does peyote in the desert and has some weird fever dream kind of thing. And it just feels, and the rundown is another perfect example of, you know, oh, let's, let's get high on whatever's in the jungle and, and have a weird freakout scene. They just feel so out of place. And I, I recognize that this is a dream sequence kind of thing, but I it felt unnecessary. Hold on, though. I think if it happened to the mom, then it would have made more sense. Maybe, maybe not. But, I mean, the thing is, it, it by that time, we stopped focusing on the fa- on the parents and it was more on Pesci. It, just, it felt like a gag for gag's sake. But that, but again, that's just And it me. was. Yeah, it was, totally was, right? But, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's definitely out of the blue, right? Like, all of a sudden, like, there's eight decapitated heads singing on a table. But I, you have to watch the movie to, to, to witness it for yourself. And let us know what you thought of the film, uh, that scene, and the whole film in general, if you are going to go down that road. By the way, you can watch this film on Tubi. So by all means, if you don't mind commercials, go ahead, watch Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. It's not a 10% film. I don't think it's a 10% film. It's not a 35% film, but it's not a 10% film. I, I'd say somewhere in the 20s, maybe, maybe 25 maximum, depends on your sense of humor uh, and how much you like Joe Pesci, but it's not a 10%. It is not It is not that bad. Um, but Gary, thank you for watching It Hits in a Duffel Bag with and me. thank you, Jay, for actually converting me because I started out thinking, yeah, this is a really pretty, pretty bad movie, but I actually, in hindsight now, after having this conversation really can say 
it's not that bad. It's, it's not that bad. Could it be better? Yes. But then again, every movie could be. I don't even care if you have a 100% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes. Movies can always be just a little bit better. Uh, but thank you for going down this road. And to you, our listeners, you guys know the drill. If there is a movie that you think is unfairly maligned or you think is just so bad that we can't find anything good to say about it, hit us up on Twitter at NotThatBadCast or follow and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NotThatBadCast. Let us know the movie and we will watch it. We will dissect it and we will find the good things to say because we are looking for those A grades in B movies. Until next time, she's Carrie. I'm Jay. You're awesome. This is It's Not That Bad. Take care. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.